Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. We've been talking in this series about the, uh, the influences that we face, uh, which ones are good, which ones are not so good, and how we can make wise decisions with, with all of the influences that come our way. Google, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all these companies make billions of dollars every year in advertising revenue. And all of it is because there are uh, companies and people trying to get you and me to buy something, trying to get our attention, trying to get us to do something, trying to get us to believe something. And on top of all that, the the nearly 10,000 advertisements that come our way every day, there are a lot of other people vying for our attention too. We're influenced by our friends, by, by certain people at our school or workplace, by our bosses, by our spouses, by our families. And some of it's good, some of it's not so good, some of it's bad. And we have to figure out with all of these influences at work, how do we make the best decisions possible? And t- today what I want to do is to actually complicate that even further because, uh, but this is just another part of our reality. And it's this, we don't make decisions in a vacuum or in a classroom, in a neutral, objective environment. We, we often make decisions in the middle of feeling the pressure, in the middle of feeling the stress. Sometimes, and, and often, I would say, we have to make decisions under emotional and mental strain when things are falling apart or they're about to fall apart around us, when things aren't going well, when life isn't going as planned. And it can kind of go, go like this, like maybe a friend of yours is upset with you because you didn't do something that they thought that you should have done, you didn't meet their expectations in the relationship, and you have to decide what to do next. Um, maybe someone close to you is sick or gets hurt and you're dealing with a traumatic experience and you have to make a decision for them or, or, or with them about treatment. Y- your boss is putting more and more pressure on you to achieve a certain level of, of productivity and there's an opportunity right in front of you to cut a corner that no one may ever find out about and you're feeling the pressure of this. If I don't perform, I may lose my job and, and, and you have to make a decision about it with all of that stress on you and, and on and on and on and on. We're, we're, we're almost always making decisions from a not so perfect, perfect place where we have emotional stress. Now the obvious issue is, is this, our ability to make wise choices is greatly diminished when we're under emotional Strain. We just make poorer decisions when we feel pressured by our boss or by our friends or others around us who just may not have our best interests in mind. A couple weeks ago, I asked you this question, what if God has your best interest in mind and you don't? I mean, like, let's be honest, when I'm making decisions where I'm letting other things influence me more than, more than him, that's going to be the case. But Thank God he, he does have our best interest in mind. He does love you and he wants the best for you. And his word is the most helpful thing for you. And when we follow him, we can trust that he's helping us make wise choices. And the, and the, and the best place to look when it comes to making wise choices under emotional stress and how to do that is Jesus himself. 
Like, like no one faced more emotional strain and stress than Jesus did, especially in the final days of his life here. And we, and we have these gospels, these amazing recordings of his life that give us such an intimate picture of what happened and how he walked through the crazy pressures all around him with his eyes totally focused on God and on his mission when you're under emotional stress, everything gets harder. You might have, um, like I said, a loved one who's, who's like sick and everyone seems like they think they know the right thing to do and no one's agreeing with you or with each other and, and you have to make the decision and, and you feel the weight of that. You, you may feel the pressure of friends around you who want you to do something that, that in your heart you know is not the best thing for you, but you're weighing out the pros and the cons. And, and if you don't go or do that, maybe you won't be friends with them anymore and the decision becomes an emotional one all of a sudden. Well, um, Jesus was doing things that were ruffling the feathers of all the people around him. He was going against the status quo. He was doing things that were counter-cultural and, and even his friends were starting to falter and fail him. The, the gospel writer Luke records this scene that is, I think, just amazing, where we see the emotional pressure that Jesus, Jesus is under and, and, and how even though he loved his friends, he wasn't going to allow even them to bring him down. Luke writes it like this toward the end of Jesus' life. It says that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him on reaching the place. He said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. Now, that's actually a medical condition called hematidrosis, where you experience such an intense level of stress that blood mixes with your sweat and you can literally sweat blood. That's how emotionally drained and stressed Jesus was. He knew he was going to his certain death on the cross, but, but make sure you notice this. When Jesus was stressed, he immediately turned to the Father. This may seem overly simplistic to, to some of us or, or obvious, but it's so important when you are feeling pressured from your circumstances, when you have decisions in front of you that are difficult and there are influences all around you pushing you here and there, it's critically important to take it straight to God himself. And he said two things to, to God the Father that are worth talking about. First, he said, Father, please take this cup from me. In, in Jesus' full humanity, here he is crying out and saying, this is going to be hard, God. I, like, I, I have this thing in front of me to do, and I don't know if I can make it through. It's okay to tell God you're afraid. It's okay to tell him. You don't think you have the strength to make it through. It's okay to, to ask him to take this thing away from you that's in front of you. But, but Jesus follows it up with this. He says, yet not my will, but yours be done. He circles back and he says, God, I want your will to be done, not just mine. This is the life that the Christian is called to. Here's how I'm feeling, God, and I want to be honest with you about it. And God loves that. He hears you. He welcomes that. But also the willingness to say, I want what you want, God, even if that means I have to go through something painful to get there. Again, it's this understanding that God always, always has our best interest in mind, even if we don't. And the best interest of everyone else around us, too. 
So it continues on. Luke says, when he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and he healed him. And then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple, Guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. That's from Luke 22. And so, so, so all these things are happening that are emotional drags on Jesus that could be so draining. And for us, the, these are the things that often will influence us into bad decisions. His friends let him down. His friends let him down. He had asked them to pray with him, and, and they fall asleep. You ever tried to pray, by the way, and you fall asleep? I have, plenty of times. But this was Jesus in his greatest hour of need, and he couldn't trust that his friends were going to be there for him. And this happens, doesn't it? Like, you can have great friends, I'm sure that you do, and they still don't know what's going on all the time or how to really help you all the time. We let each other down sometimes, don't we? And then he was betrayed with a kiss. Judas came up and he kissed him, or he tried to, identifying the one that they were going to arrest. A kiss, a sign of love, was used to turn Jesus over to darkness. If you've ever had someone turn their back on you, then you know how Jesus felt. His friends had let him down. He was betrayed by one of them with a kiss. And then Peter picks up his sword. In another gospel, we find out it's Peter, and he hits one of the servants of the high priest, cutting his ear off, and Jesus, in that moment, heals the servant, reprimands Peter, and he asks himself, have they not learned anything that I taught them? Has any of this gotten through? I'm sure that you and I have, have, have not been through what Jesus went through, but I also know that there are moments where we let one another down, or maybe you've even been betrayed and Maybe you feel like, am I, am I on the same page with anyone else around me? Does anybody else understand me or what I'm going through? And you feel the emotional pressure to give in and give up, to maybe even give up on your faith. I want to tell you that this is the place when we are emotionally challenged to our core, where your relationship with God will come to the forefront, where the effort that you put into your relationship with God now will pay off Later, Because when you are in this place where, where nobody seems to be with you any longer, where it feels like uh, you're just on this emotional island all alone, this is where you will trust God in like, like the deepest and rely on him the most. And he will come through for you. But your relationship with God is important now. Not just then, because you don't have it now. You can't expect to be on solid footing then. This is why Jesus went away to pray on a regular basis before all of this happened to prepare himself for what was to come, to be able to withstand the betrayals and, and stay focused on his mission. So he was 
then taken to the, the governor, Pontius Pilate. He was put on trial. And Matthew records that like this. He says, meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. And when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. He's, he, he's not with his friends anymore. He's in front of a person of power, someone of great influence, someone who could perhaps get him out of this predicament. Someone who, if Jesus were to like play nice with, play his cards right, curry favor with, Pilate may be inclined to let him go. If Jesus would just work a few angles here with him, play up the like oppressed homeless guy story, maybe he could walk out of here alive and Pilate kind of baits him. Don't you hear, he said, the testimony they're bringing against you? Like, don't you, don't you hear it? He's like, you aren't going to respond. You aren't going to fight back. But Jesus said nothing. This is hard to understand sometimes because we want him to fight back. Like we're taught to defend ourselves. But Jesus had a larger picture in mind and he had someone else he was answering to. So that even a powerful influence like the governor had no sway on him. Maybe you have powerful influences around you trying to take you off track, off course from where you need to be. There are always voices that we're tempted to listen to and we talk ourselves into and out of things because of those voices. Like I'll just do what they say for a little while longer or you know, I'll just go with the crowd this one time. Sometimes uh, what we're actually doing though is ignoring the voice of God. Jesus was in front of a powerful influence, but he was focused on not ignoring the voice of God, not the governor. And then you know the rest of the story, but do you remember why it happened? It's verse 32, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the, the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldier also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar. And they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing Wrong, And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him to truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, it's amazing. What you see is this. Even when things were at their worst, Jesus was still loving people well. It finishes like this. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. 
The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God, and he said, Surely this man was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. In spite of the pressure, in spite of the sweating drops of blood, in spite of his friends deserting him and one of them betraying him, in spite of the powerful influence, who didn't understand him, in spite of all those things, Jesus lived with his mission in mind. You have a mission in life, and so do I. It's not Jesus' mission. His was to die for mankind so that we could have an invitation to live with him. What you and I are called to, though, is to live in the light of what Jesus did and to be a part of his mission on earth, which means that you have a role to play. I have a role to play as servants of, and as, as friends of Jesus, you have a mission when it comes to what kind of friend you are, what kind of husband or wife you are, what kind of productive human being you are when it comes to the work that you do, what kind of neighbor you are, what kind of creative, what kind of artist and engineer or doctor or teacher or small business operator or restaurant employee and on and on and on and on you are but in order to get to the end of our lives and hear what God says well when he says well done good and faithful servant there are some things we need to learn from the life of Jesus in order to withstand the influences coming at us we need to walk a little more in Jesus shoes first when life gets stressful Turn to God first. Like, don't wait. Don't wait for your friends. Don't turn your attention elsewhere. Go seek him first. And then when influential voices come at you, be sure God's voice is the loudest one that you hear. And remember that your answer to God first and foremost, not someone else. It doesn't matter how influential they appear to be. And then this, live with your mission in mind. Understanding and then staying laser focused on who God has called you to be. And that's one of the only things, maybe the only thing that will help you finish strong in the face of emotional heartache, in the face of pain, and even trauma. Stay strong. Stay strong in Christ and let him teach you and train you in the way that he walked. It was not easy for him. It won't be easy for us, but the pathway to great things is never, ever easy. May we be people who walk in Jesus' footsteps, not just opting for the easy or the the distracted path, not just opting for the voice of the influencers in our lives. May Jesus be the greatest influence that we have. Let's pray. God, would you let your voice Just be louder than anything else in our lives. Would you help us to turn down the influences that are coming at us that are distracting us from you and turn up your voice and also those who would encourage us, God, to follow you well. And as we look at Jesus himself, we know that we're not him, but God, through Christ, you give us power, the power of the Holy Spirit to do things that he did. And so help us to walk as he walked even in the face of emotional struggle, even in the face of trauma, even in the face of really difficult things. Help us to follow you well and encourage each other to do do the same. And I pray this in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. 
If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.